0: All right, we've got a lot to get to today. Got to talk about this big Nuggets, Hawks, Nets trade, get to the rest of the signings, and then talk our, our off-season big winners and losers. But first, this is from Solo New York. Thanks to them for sponsoring today. They're one of the biggest bag brands in the company. Started in 2008, and they've shaken up, shaken up, shook up, shook up a boring industry and i got their varsity all-star backpack duffel which is an incredibly versatile bag it's small it's lightweight it's got a handle on the side it's got a handle on the top it transforms into a backpack as well got a compartment for shoes i could fit uh, my basketball shoes in there when i go and play basketball a foam roller all my equipment works great as a weekend bag as well you can use it like a backpack you can use it like a duffel where you can unzip the top of it pack stuff in there almost like a suitcase and the quality is just fantastic just the mechanism on the zipper you can tell it's not going to break it's got nice pulls on it so it's really easy it's not going to catch or anything like that it's just a really high quality piece of equipment head to solo-newyork.com solo-ny.com slash cap space they've got hundreds of designs and you get 25 percent off that's solo-ny.com slash cap space for 25 percent off well danny obviously the place to start is this big trade that came down the pike last night what were the details
1: so these were two separate transactions that relied on each other it might actually be structured as one when it all comes to the league office as far as i know the call has not yet happened but so it's good to talk about it in order because one move was necessary to make the other one possible and so the first one which was in some ways the more surprising move was brooklyn trading jeremy lynn to the atlanta hawks in that deal the hawks as compensation received the 2025 second round pick of the nets and a, p- a second round pick swap in 2023 so those are pretty decent you know they, they're pretty far down the line Line. They, we don't know if they're going to be good or not. We don't know how these teams are going to be 10, five, six years from now. And then also Isaiah Cordner, who we actually saw back at the Hoop Summit, I think in 2016, he was also in the deal going from Atlanta to Brooklyn. That doesn't matter a whole lot. But what that move did is that gave Brooklyn sufficient cap space to then get Kenneth Farid and Darrell Arthur from the Denver Nuggets. And they also, in that trade, received a top 12 protected 2019 first round pick Denver's own pick. And then for touching purposes, they sent Isaiah Whitehead to Brook to Denver and uh Denver's gonna waive him, it sounds.
0: Yeah, he had actually moved his guarantee date back. Which it's is great for Brooklyn, this... actually.
1: Yeah. I mean they could have used something else for touching, but I mean good that yeah. they had that.
0: Let's start this uh from Atlanta's standpoint. Lynn 10% trade bonus, which I'm guessing he signed in Brooklyn as a free agent. I don't see him waiving to go to Atlanta. Certainly Atlanta can absorb that, but that bumps him up uh, to as much as $13.8 million next year. The Nets actually have to pay that trade bonus, but he'll count at 13.8 on Atlanta's books. Expiring contract, but of course you'll recall that he tore his patellar tendon in the first game of the year against the Pacers last season and, and has been injury-plagued, uh, though was effective uh, in his first season with the Nets. And... So this is a 2025 second round pick, Atlanta presumably sending that pick because they believe that is the time at which they will be the best and that pick will be Worth the least they've. Or I'm sorry. The Nets sent that 2025 second round pick to Atlanta, and so presumably the Nets thinking that they will are more likely to be good then. And then there's also that pick swap in 2023. Again, the further away the pick, just in general, the less it's worth. And then especially in this case with the Nets still mired at the bottom of the league as of now, you would have liked to have gotten those picks earlier. And so it really seems like a, my only explanation here for this trade from Atlanta is that they valued Jeremy Lin as a basketball player at as much as 13.8 million dollars next season right
1: and there's an idea that i you know like with the Nene test that i try to get out there which is the idea of whether a player on that contract is an asset or a negative that is always team specific it's good to think about in the abstract because that gives you an idea of whether a guy can be moved or not but there are specific circumstances and that's what makes this so weird to me is that atlanta was one of the few teams remaining in the league that had significant cap flexibility to make a move and they essentially cut that space in half by acquiring Jeremy Lin. So now I have it that they have about 11 million in space and you can't do nearly as much with 11 million as you can with 25. And not only that, but they also gave Brooklyn the flexibility to do that and to make the move that Brooklyn ended up doing. So Brooklyn took on about 20 million in the the Denver trade in expiring contracts and got a first round pick. I don't think Denver had a particular rooting interest in who was going to do that trade. Atlanta could have easily done it instead and I think that Brooklyn's return in this overall transaction is significantly better than what Atlanta got. So thus, the reason that Atlanta did this trade is because they wanted Jeremy Lin.
0: Now, maybe you could say, and we'll get to, of course, the Denver and Brooklyn components of this as well, but maybe you could say Atlanta, hey, you know what? We've already got our own 2019 first. We've already got this Dallas top five protected first. It'll probably go in 2019. We've got this top 10 protected pick from Cleveland for the next two years from the Kyle Corver trade. So do we really need a fourth, first-round pick in 2019 when 2019 maybe not even going to be the best draft? You know, maybe that's not useful. But I don't know that Jeremy Lin is useful either, right? And maybe the thought here with Lin is he can play, we can rehabilitate him, we'll swap him at the trade deadline and take on some salary for 2020 for teams that are trying to clear cap space for the summer of 2019. So this deal is not over yet. You know, we'll see what ends up happening. They obviously had to meet the salary floor and do that in some way. Supposedly their plan is to keep Lynn. Uh, he also has the ability to play some at the two, uh, has done that successfully in his career. And certainly now, despite their protestations that Dennis Schroeder could play with Trey Young, that's always the hilarious thing that gets said when they draft a new point guard over a, an incumbent. This in theory, like, protects them for training true or whatever, but you know, they're gonna be bad anyway. I don't think they needed some great backup point guard option this year. Uh and this almost reduces their leverage with Shooter. Now there's really just no way you can keep shooter. And so they they probably weren't finding a particularly hot market for his services with Schroeder having still another three years left in that contract at 15.5 million flat. He's got some incentive as well that doesn't seem likely to meet as of this point. So we'll see what ends up happening in an eventual shooter trade, if that even happens. But now it seems like they just, you know, they're going to just send Dennis Shooter home at this point now. Uh, I don't see how this helps them in terms of their leverage because the idea that we could even though everyone knows that it was bs this idea that we could keep shooter if we're not getting the trade offer that we want you know now you can't even fake that
1: also unfortunately for Trevis Link, he can't trade dennis Schroeder to like cheska moscow it has to fit in within the nba's rules because there just aren't that many teams as Schroeder's not a bad player for for sure but he makes a lot of money and even though it's flat it still is onerous for a lot of these teams that are looking you know with starry eyes at 2019-20 or anything else, and so shooter 15-5 for the upcoming season and the two subsequent seasons. But it's it's hard to be super inspired by that. And also, we've seen a lot of teams, not every team, but a lot of teams, kind of figure out what they're doing at point guard. And there are still some available. I, you know, this to me with the sequence of events that have happened this year makes Phoenix a more interesting option, especially now that they've given Devin Booker that max contract. Their space in 2019-20 is now less valuable because they have less of it. Something Atlanta is now very familiar. With. But again, I don't know that that Phoenix sees that as just like an awesome thing for them. You know, like maybe they there there might be common ground to make a deal, but then you have to figure out the terms and everything like that. And so it's a very, a very fraught situation for Atlanta that they they don't have leverage, and they don't have leverage because Truder's not a great player, and presumably they're going to give Trey Young playing time. So waiting into the year isn't going to do that. Maybe a team's point guard gets hurt. It's kind of like the Marcin Gortat situation in Phoenix years ago, where they ended up getting assets from Washington, and he ended up staying on the Wizards for years but it's just a it's a very curious move and i think there was an open question about whether Lynn, as as good as he perf- as well as he performed in those those early brooklyn days like how he fit on this contract and then the fact that he's coming off of basically two significant injuries in the last couple of years really lowers that likelihood and increases the risk for atlanta not that they're necessarily worried about being good this coming year but that's why you gave up half of your cap space for somebody
0: yeah so we'll see there's uh and maybe Lynn is going to help them be too good this year as well it's really a a total head scratcher and and Travis Schlank, I've appreciated the overall approach to be sure you know this is a Hawks team that is lightly disguising their process like rebuild at this point Schlank clearly was hired with the idea that he was going to come in and and tear everything down they desperately needed that when he came in but we'll see how his coaching hire works out in Lloyd Pierce they lost Mike Budenholzer who was a good coach Uh, I think at once the writing was probably on the wall once he he was stripped of his team president duties anyway. The Dwight Howard trade for Plumlee really didn't make much sense. I think it, it's pretty clear to me that they would have just been better off waiving Howard at this point or trying to buy him out than taking on Plumlee, who goes all the way through 2019-20, which Howard, of course, did not. I mean, they, they felt like, all right, we got to get Howard out of here. We got to send a message. He's been miserable. But, you know, again, you can just buy the guy out if that's the case. Um, and I think they actually, as I recall, gave up value in the second round to do that, uh, to get off of him this one was a total head scratcher also they weren't uh, they signed Ilyasova and Bellinelli weren't really able to get anything for those guys last year other than some more one games uh I thought they did do a nice job in theory of if they didn't want Doncic creating a market for him and getting that trade to move down and get their guy Trey Young we'll see whether Trey Young who's heading up and down summer league ends up looking good enough to justify that deal as, as opposed to simply taking Doncic in that spot so doesn't make a, a ton of sense so far especially this one again we're, this deal is not totally in the books yet but you know what if lynn gets injured now right i mean and if you're looking at it as a way to get better for this year well there are probably other point guards on the market who they could have paid a fraction of this price to who were as or more reliable than Lynn. lynn's a very good player when healthy but again we don't know if that's gonna be the case coming off this torn patellar tendon and, and he's unlikely to be nearly as effective either. that is a pretty devastating injury
1: one one small note, uh, Bellinelli was actually included in the Dwight Howard trade. He wasn't signed, but that still, that doesn't help. You know, like Atlanta acquired him and then he did you know, he was fine for them, but they got zero in return. And remember, he did not have the veto power that Silva did and they still got nothing for him. And also remember part of why it, it might've happened that Bellinelli stayed on their team is that like Memphis, they didn't want to take on salary for the 19th, for the 18, 19 season, because Hey, look at what we can do with the cap space. And then they end up burning half that cap space on Jeremy So so it's another team that kind of was thinking about the opportunity the opportunity cost of that. And yes, it's true. You know, there is a there is a value to what something could be, even if it ended up not working out. That's always true with, with cap space, with anything else. But I mean, they ended up doing that. And th- this also ties in with something that I find very interesting with the way this offseason is going, which is I wondered if we were going to get a valuation on teams getting out of bad multi-year contracts. And we got a little bit of that with the Brooklyn-Charlotte trade with the Timofey-Mozkoff White Howard deal but other than that those teams have held firm and there are some unique circumstances that lead that to making sense right now and that th- those teams didn't need to get off of 1819 space and that bad 1920 salary they only needed one and so they're not paying to do both and so teams like Atlanta where Phoenix ended up to a point they ended up losing out because I think other teams were more rational than I expected them to be all
0: right we got to get to this from the nuggets standpoint from Brooklyn standpoint but first this from Lumosity I I know that the people who listen to this program are inherently curious they like exploring new ideas lumosity the world's most popular brain training program was built for people like you my fiance actually has been using it a lot since we were introduced to it she's really been enjoying it she had been using another program earlier and once she got introduced to lumosity she liked that a lot better the way you can get started with them is you could take a free 10 minute fit test to get your baseline scores and see how you compare to others your age and then you can start training they're built on a foundation of research and expertise to help you feel confident in your mental abilities and with lumosity premium you can even follow a personalized training program based on 60 plus cognitive games and activities that are meant to challenge your key abilities memory speed problem solving you can hone a balanced set of skills or you can isolate one skill that you want to focus on as well the choice is yours the way to get started with them is with lumosity l-u-m-o-s-i-t-y dot com slash cap space is slash cap space we talk about all the time on the program that can sign you up for the free fit test and you can get 30% off lumosity premium once again that's lumosity.com slash cap space take your free fit test and get 30% off lumosity premium that's lumosity.com slash cap space let them know that slash cap space url that you came from us because we're negative people let's turn now to denver to recap their portion of this these interrelated deals which may eventually be a three-team trade they sent out kenneth farid Jarell arthur a 2019 protected first round pick it's protected in the top 12 all the way until 2024 so it'll go at some point to the nets almost certainly unless denver experiences some complete disasters and the top 12 here is interesting because especially in the west denver has been at 13 two years ago david mitchell 14 this year they did at least get get michael porter there we'll see how how he ends up looking but they barely missed out in the playoffs so if they end up in that range brooklyn still will get it with the west being more difficult with denver trying to get the playoffs uh, i think the, the nets did well to make this top 12 protected instead of lottery protected you always want to generally get picks earlier this is the only pick that brooklyn has in the quiver outside of all their own picks amazingly having those going forward there's also a future second do we know what year that is that second i don't believe i've seen it well i can continue with it if you see if you can find it but Fareed and arthur freed 13.8 million this season arthur 7.5 million this season so you're looking at a little over 21 million dollars in dead ish salary Uh, Farid is going to have some discussions with the with the Nets today find out whether he's in their plans uh, or not they're going to sign Ed Davis so I'm guessing probably not you know unless they want to play him at power forward Fareed's really best as a small ball center I still think he is someone who's gotten a little bit of a bad rap you know the emergence of Jokic and all the centers in Denver has kind of made it difficult for him to find playing time but I think he can help some team uh, as a backup center see what kind of shape he's in after really not having played much these last two years but this is most mostly a a salary dump and all right a a first round pick and uh, a second of indeterminate value protected probably gonna be if you want to say the nuggets are gonna be better next year you know call it projecting as you know the 17th pick the 19th pick something like that that's about right you know for that 20 million in salary that's kind of what we've been talking about with the rule of thumb in this new cap environment of of these last few years since the cap spike so this trade in itself seems about right you know but uh, and i think that given how much salary they had to get off once they brought back Will Barton. Remember, they also had to move Chandler, who's overpaid, but again, a, a guy who can still pe- play older, has some chance of falling off the cliff. However, they gave up another second in that Philly deal. But they did well just in a vacuum to get off of $33, 34000000 in salary and still like they probably still can't really have much room to sign guys below the taxes. Amazing how high they were once they had re-signed Barton. And also, considering that other teams knew that they had to do this, it was pretty obvious that they wouldn't be paying anywhere close to that amount of tax once they had re-signed Barton. So that's all fine. You know, this individual deal is not terrible, but there are just a number of things about it that are, have got to be very depressing if you're a Nuggets fan. Number one, couldn't they have just tried to move Arthur for some lower level assets that weren't wasn't a first round pick? And then you might have still been in the tax, but that's a reasonable tax payment. And this is a Denver ownership, which has been nowhere close to the tax. I mean, even under the old CBA, they were below the minimum salary. They would get up to the minimum salary. Technically, but still not actually paying out the minimum salary in terms of contracts that year. They should have banked a ton of money. And the party line, when you talk to their management was, oh, you know what? okay we are gonna have to pay the tax for one year but you know ownership is willing to do that well that was clearly bullshit or the ownership changed their opinion and they weren't willing to pay the tax at all you know you could have held on to farid this year they didn't want to stretch any of those guys they didn't want to just pay the tax for one year ownership said hey you know what no we were we are going to give up a first round pick rather than pay money that is about as anti competitive as it gets this is an ownership group uh, from the the Cronkies from walmart that has billions and of dollars if it were about competing they could have just paid this for one year i realize there are sometimes you know if you're charlotte it doesn't make sense to pay the tax your ownership just can't afford it but it clearly is not about competing in denver uh they don't they still don't even have a g league team in denver and so the crunky group owns a lot of teams and the nuggets are clearly uh towards the back of that group shall we say so they weren't willing to pay the tax so that's that's a big ownership problem here and you gave up a first round pick we'll see uh, denver uh you know they don't do too good when they uh, give up these first round picks do they danny
1: oh you just really want to pour it on them don't you because they they're the last team to ever sell a first round pick they sold the pick that became Rudy Gobert I mean that's one and then
0: Donovan Mitchell last year yeah well I mean, that, that was like, a
1: tactical trade I think that was a little bit you know that that wasn't to well, dump money or anything like that that was because they wanted Trey Lyles they made a mistake but that was
0: but but if there's ever an organization that's just like hey you know what like we probably shouldn't trade away first round picks that that should have had that hammered into their brain you know now, like I mean, the whole I, don't I, I trade
1: it. with Masai Ujiri kind of idea but the other way <laughs>
0: yeah it's just like all right you, you know just because they traded away picks that became great players that doesn't mean that this pick is going to be that but it's just like may, maybe you can learn your lesson a, a, a little bit there and yeah they have a lot of young guys they have Michael Porter they still have holes on this team though like I said they still have no one who can defend on the wing long term on this team so it, it's uh th- that's very disappointing for ownership because they have banked and banked and banked profits by being extremely cheap with they were bad these last few years and then they're going to be a cap space team next year anyway uh i mean this i guess trading away this first round pick does open up some larger amount of cap space now but i I think a a topic that i'm sure will warm your heart is all right if you are management and perhaps management really was under under the belief that they would be willing to pay the taxes here and when push came to shove they just weren't uh and i'm not saying they should have kept chandler and arthur and farid you know that would have been an astronomical payment i understand getting off of chandler we weren't too critical of that that. But if you could have just moved Arthur, then it would have been like a manageable amount of tax. But assuming that they knew that ownership wasn't willing to pay the tax, that really sets some of these moves that they made over the last couple of years into Stark Relief as well.
1: Right. And I think the most notable one there is my uh, sorry, Mason Plumley, because they had all the leverage in the world on Mason Plumley. It was get he was restricted free agent. His qualifying offer was at a level that they would be totally happy with. And they paid him more money and gave him more years than the market dictated. And those extra years probably made it made it harder for to trade him. They already had Nikola Jokic and playing those guys together never made any sense. They did do it a little bit this year. And, and I think a little bit the end of the year they acquired him. And I mean, also, you know, the whole trade that in the first place, we were very critical of that trade. They gave up a first round pick to, to give up Nikola to give up uh, use of Nurkic. So you have all that. But I want to I want to talk about two different other parts of this trade, which I think are important. And I will echo all of what you said. And so these are in addition. So a way of thinking about this trade is sort of similar. and i'm not saying the severity or anything is the impact is the same i feel a little bit about this trade the way that i did about the harden move when when okc traded him where it's like okay if for whatever reason there was a directive that james harden needs to get moved this was a pretty good piece of business to do it you know the giving up a first round pick getting those two guys getting both attacks all that's fine however my beef is with the process that led to that decision and so you brought up the assets and so yeah it's so it's a 2020 second round pick they gave up their 2021 in in the Philly trade so now they're out both of those and the first round pick obviously talked twelve protected from here to eternity they'll give that up at some point but not only that this is a team that finished ever so close to the playoffs last year despite dealing with injuries and everything else and they got materially worse like this is it's not like they sabotaged their team or anything like that but Wilson Chandler even if he's not as good as we hoped he would be he still helps them they signed Tory Craig ostensibly to kind of replace that Kenneth Farid is a depth piece or Arthur you know that's a little bit different right now now. But those are players who who would have made them a deeper, better team. And they're being largely replaced by young guys who could end up being good. I was a fan of Jared Vanderbilt going back to the hoop summit, but he's a rookie. He's probably not going to be nearly close enough to figure all that stuff out. And so they, they are right on this borderline for the playoffs. And remember, the Lakers now are significantly better. I think you would have them in the mix. OKC largely stayed the same. And maybe if they can be healthier next year, we don't know that. So Denver, it's not like they improved so much internally that you're saying, oh, well, they're a lock for the playoffs. They're going to be so much better than they were last year. I think they could be. I think there's a very good chance they will be if they stay healthier. But these moves on the margins matter for them. And so they got worse. And as you said, this is a one year thing that is very, very different from a franchise that's like looking down the barrel of a significant bill for a long time. Oh, we can't get better or anything like that. This was a these are all expiring contracts, all the, the 30 million or so that they gave up. All those guys would have been off their books anyway, unless they chose to resign them, which they could have done, whatever happens with that and then they would have been in exactly the same position. So it's incredibly frustrating because it didn't make them a better team, and it would have been temporary. So just take your medicine one year, even with all the other mistakes they made, and you would have been fine, and they weren't willing to do it
0: yeah so uh, you mentioned Plumlee that one they traded a first-round pick remember just to get Plumlee uh, along with Yusuf Nurkic again you know a little bit of revisionist history there because you know Nurkic is better than Plumlee but he was a cancer in the locker room and then of course they doubled down and having traded Plumlee they they paid him in in a center market that existed only in their own head so you could look at it if you choose to as well now they've almost given up two first-round picks for Plumlee (laughs) right because uh they wanted to trade for him and now one one, because uh, you took on the salary that you couldn't afford and knew that you couldn't afford. I mean, they signed Paul Millsap last year. They knew that this Jokic raise was coming. I also heard it suggested somewhere that they should have just, uh, none of this would have been needed if they had just kept Jokic on that team option. Uh, yeah, I don't think Nick Jokic would have been too happy making the minimum money that you had the option to pay him 25 million. And uh, he would have been unrestricted after that. Probably don't want to alienate him there. He, well, he is your best player.
1: And beyond that, you don't have the ability to retain him and what you're getting with that this is similar to gordon hayward is the fifth year and Jokic is young enough where he might not care about that like really it's the eight percent raises versus five percent the starting salary would have been identical and so you're taking an absolutely gargantuan risk by letting Jokic hit unrestricted free agency yeah that that part of this offseason is is not an issue and they also did another nice move where they actually got isaiah thomas for the minimum i mean this is a, a a sad turn to for isaiah who you know we're not too far removed. Move from the Brinks truck comment from him being in the MVP voting. I don't think he deserved to win or anything like that, but him having that massive positive impact for the Boston Celtics in the 17-18 season. Sorry, the 16-17 season. And also, so he at the minimum, Denver, I, I mean, I do think that they're they they they're in a different situation than some of these teams. Like we could draw the example of the Warriors with DeMarcus Cousins, former teammate of Isaiah Thomas, in that the Warriors can be really, really patient with him. The Nuggets can be, but they don't really have another backup point guard on their roster. So I they'll maybe... They'll They'll use Monty Morris or somebody else to gap fill. But this again, players have the agency to do whatever they want. I'm not going to say because I don't know how all this went. But Isaiah Thomas, it certainly looked to me that he played hurt back in those 2017 playoffs, that he really pushed himself to help elevate that Boston team that still wasn't, still didn't do a whole heck of a lot against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I don't know if pushing him that way is what caused everything that happened afterwards to happen. I can't speak to that. But we do know that those sorts of things are remembered by fan bases and all that stuff but it doesn't put a check in your bank account it it doesn't do any of that and so all this glorification it actually parallels a little bit with the kd stuff when people talk about it all that stuff gets forgotten and players who don't look out for themselves and for their own best interests are going to face consequences whether they are okay with that or not is their own prerogative
0: yeah thomas i, I think is a good fit for what they need although somewhat duplicative of will barton's skills barton will be their starting three but presumably is going to play a lot of it with bench units he certainly doesn't help the nuggets defensive problems but at the minimum you can't quibble I agree with what you're saying about them not really still having that reliable of a, a backup point guard one other thing on this trade too and I've said this a number of ways because they had a number of ways to get out of having to give up this first round pick you could also think of this first round pick as you know it was fate accompli that they were going to have to give this up once they signed Will Barton to four years 53 million with a fourth year player option and so another question that you could could ask is well would you rather have a first-round pick or would you rather have will barton on a four-year 53 million dollar contract at age 27 i think that that barton contract is a little bit of an overpay especially because he's going to be getting older as the contract goes on we'll see whether he's able to maintain his efficiency he's going to have to probably get better as a three-point shooter as his athleticism wanes i don't know how i feel about him as a starting three the numbers there were good but defensively i guess they're just kind of giving up on defending the best small forwards at this point maybe they feel like Millsap can just slide over and do that so that's another thing to consider as well I probably if given the choice of all right I know we're gonna have to give up a first round pick to get off of money or we can re-sign Barton to this contract which I view as slightly negative value I probably would have just let Barton walk and it's so interesting here too because we had talked about hey that all their, their best players are in their early 20s right now Harris, Murray, Jokic and so we said hey you know would you rather have the 2019 cap space to get someone with a better fit than Barton or would you rather keep Barton around him and they're like well we can't take a step back this year but you're taking a step back as you mentioned by trading Wilson Chandler and then you're also hurting your future now even more by giving up that first rounder and I'd be very interested to see if you wanted to make a trade in 2019 with your first rounder what you could have gotten could you have gotten someone better than Will Barton who fit better at that point also that would have been a question they're also likely going to lose Paul Millsap next summer they're going to need to come up with some kind of a replacement for him so they're going to have big holes at the three and the four unless Michael Porter can develop into a starting level of player that quickly or someone like Juancho Hernan Gomez takes a big step forward or or Trey Lyles whom they're going to have to pay next summer if they do want to keep him around so there just does not seem to be a ton of coherence here and they really have hurt their future in a ton of ways whether it's Plumlee whether it's Barton trading the first rounder moving away from Chandler to in theory be better this year but they didn't really care that much about being better this year because they weren't willing to pay the tax and they still traded chandler anyway so uh, they've hurt themselves both now and in the future it's really just again this one specific deal i thought they did well enough this is about the right range of what it should cost to get off of this salary but the idea getting into this predicament where you had to move on from this salary and or not being able to pay what i think is a reasonable amount of tax for one year very very damaging shall we turn now to the brooklyn Nets i, I want to say two quick things else,
1: so one we should also mention that we don't want to get into revisionist history with the Fareed and Arthur contracts those just ended up not working out I think you and I were both fine with the terms of those as they were agreed to when they were signed so that part of it you
0: know yeah yeah Arthur just like had this weird like illness and just fell off the face of the earth you would think that probably would only happen to Kyrie Irving but it figuratively happens to other players as well uh, but he, uh, he he would have been a useful player for them as a small ball center as a backup four who could shoot some threes I think it, like if he had just continued to age at a normal level I think he was only like 27 when that was Agreed to. I, I don't think we'd be talking about him as, as such dead salary. He just has had some weird injury problems. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think and, and Farid, you know, he was the, the game has changed a lot around him, but he's uh was a, a quality player and they got him for what looked like it should be sub starter money at the time.
1: Yeah. So the, those ended up just not working out for them. And and I want to kind of separate so just just to mention that to give them to give them a little bit of credit there. Well, let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets, the the team that I think a lot of people would start with here, and there certainly is a lot. to to piece together and this was really impressive I think they they took advantage over this summer and we'll do offseason grades at a later point but it's a good point to talk about some of it they were able to with these two moves kind of create an opportunity almost out of nothing out of another team's mistake and really get value for it
0: Yeah, and the fact that they're able to move on from Lim at such a small cost and then they're able to replace the second rounder that they sent it's earlier too I mean they actually upgraded in terms of the second rounder their own 20 I'd rather have Denver is 2020 probably than the Nets own 2025 and hopefully that pick swap with Atlanta won't kill them in 2023 I mean it's a second rounder so probably not much is going to kill you there uh, so they did great I think to, to this is a team that other than the Allen Crabb trade has been very fastidious about rebuilding the fact that Lynn is going to be gone if he was going to play well at least he that's fine like he would have helped you win games so uh, now they can move fully into the D'Angelo Russell Karis LeVert. Spencer Dinwiddie era they have plenty at point guard even if they don't have any real huge stars there but they need to figure out what's going on with these guys especially with Russell coming up on free agency and if those guys don't work out well fine you lose in the first season when you actually control your draft pick in quite some time remember they had a pick swap with the Hawks from the Joe Johnson deal going back to before the Celtics so this has been I think in 2015 they when the Hawks were had the 29th pick the Nets had to swap with them so they had to swap 15 for 19 that year also. And that pick ended up being Kelly Oubre, who was a pretty useful player. I think this is great for the Nets. They have been sticking largely to the plan with a rebuild. It just doesn't impact their cap space next summer at all. If they wanted to, they could flip Fareed and Arthur again to take on bad money at the deadline. More likely, they're just going to go into the summer of 2019 and try to compete with the Knicks in the summer of 2019. We've talked about this before, but to reiterate, the Nets are looking at about 50 56 million or so in room joe harris is going to cut into that a little bit also worth noting here from a cap perspective the fact that they have not signed joe harris yet is what enabled them to make these deals because with his cap hold still only at the minimum coming off a minimum salaried contract they had a bunch of space and then of course they were able to augment that by moving on from lynn if had they signed harris already he would count for eight million or so he signed that two sixteen 16 million dollar deal uh rather than at the minimum of 1.5 million so that would have cost them 6.5 million in, in cap space and they wouldn't be able to do this deal so they did a great job of working with uh, harris not signing him yet also quick note on the nuggets here there's been some talk that oh they've they were able to get below the tax and now they can open up their full mle and their bae although that could put them again close to the tax so number one they might not do that number two they only have one roster spot left This is the nuggets and uh, number three they've got all these contracts gary harris jokic's new contract that have not that they could potentially reach i think most of those incentives are based on the playoffs uh and so they could end up in the tax then as well so they're, they're going to keep some some room clear and then this is a, an interesting tidbit for you total cap dorks uh jeff siegel was tweeting about this that because the nuggets already signed tory craig using part of their taxpayer mle and designated that as the taxpayer mle that now they cannot have access to the bae and the mle because once you use your taxpayer mle you lose the bae and the regular mle whereas if you do it the other way if you use your regular mle or bae not both of course and you don't go over the mini mid-level amount if you get into the tax you get above the apron then you can just designate it as taxpayer mid-level as long as you don't go over the taxpayer level amount so you can go from the regular mid-level to the taxpayer mid-level in terms of designation but you cannot go backwards once you have used that taxpayer mid-level if you sign guys when you're over the apron to the taxpayer mid-level you now have lost the regular mid-level and the bae because the the idea is you sign someone to this when you're over the apron and so you can't undo that at that point so that was uh just a, a little bit of minutia there so the nuggets really are only going to have having signed tory craig to two million a year and they signed jared vanderbilt as well to a three-year deal uh they're really only going to have about two million left of their taxpayer money. basically you know just about anyone they would sign it, Probably makes more sense to just sign them to the minimum at that point
1: well and it's, it's also worth noting this is something kevin pelton brought up in his breakdown of these moves is that while denver has ostensibly all of this flexibility because of unlikely bonuses that some would deem are yeah, actually yeah like,
0: i was just talking about yeah that. But, I, but i wanted to get yeah, the with, full with number the o- in there with the
1: five with the five, oh like, okay like that basically that gets them really close to the tax and so if for whatever reason the tax is a real hard line that explains the difference that they're not going to use that and so you think about what that means too that it's not only we had to get below it but we don't even we can't even have the kind of it kind of have the chance of going over it seems like they were hard capped at the tax as opposed to like oh we could make a small small move like a million or two dollars or something like that a deadline that happens all I mean even the Noah Vonley trade for example last year like those sorts of things happen but yeah it's it's very frustrating but let's get let's get back to Brooklyn I think
0: oh well here I, I got one more thing on Denver too we got <laughs> we're, Jesus. we're so negative here uh you know Tory Craig signed two years four million and if they were willing to give out that contract and maybe if they if they were willing to just go a little bit more into their taxpayer mle and go to like 3.5 million mm-hmm. think of some of the players that they could have gotten they could have got like for a two-year deal especially they could have got like Mute. maybe they could have been in that Ennis. and especially given the amount of playing time yeah ns i mean maybe ns has just been told he's going to start at the three for the Rockets. so they're probably not that's probably gonna be carmelo at this point uh yeah but they could have gotten guys who are like real established players who can you know and troy craig at least what we've seen from him so far offensively he makes luke and bob Mute and james ennis look like kevin durant and also those guys are way better than him defensively so uh, you know it seemed like really for to bring back craig who is a, a favorite of coach mike Malone, but i don't think he's really any good rather than just going out uh, i mean even if they were only willing to do a two-year four million dollar contract i think they might have been able to do better than troy craig i mentioned that it would have made more sense i think on the last program to try for ty wallace first and see if that ended up getting matched that then they could always go back to craig uh, who was a restricted free agent and didn't seem to be overflowing, and then also just with the timing of these deals, if in fact, and maybe this is not true because they haven't signed these guys, maybe they haven't signed these guys yet, but I think they have officially. Um, you know, to have lost your BAE and your MLE because maybe you know they could get onto the buyout market and use some of that later and get off of some money so they wouldn't have to pay the tax. And
1: these were moves it, they that, intended that's... to make. This isn't some sort of right. shot in the shot in the dark that oh a team was willing to take it. This was always what they were thinking about doing.
0: Yeah. Although it is worth saying that it's probably difficult to anticipate if the Hawks weren't willing to just make that deal, which apparently they weren't. You know, uh, the getting off of farid and Arthur that, and maybe you know, the Kings or Bulls had some other stuff working that they didn't anticipate that this Brooklyn thing would come available. But then Brooklyn, unexpectedly, I think we would all say, was able to trade Jeremy lynn and, and take on these moves. So maybe they they felt like, hey, you know, it's not going to be imminent here. We got to sign these guys at, at some point. Uh, all right, so shall we return to the Brooklyn Nets, the the, the side of the that we actually liked for once?
1: Yeah, so I mean, for Brooklyn, this does a couple, uh, a couple of interesting things. So obviously it maintains their 2019-20 space. They get a first round pick out of it, which is which is impressive. And, you know, it's the going rate. And remember, this is by our expectations, this is going to be a decent first round pick. This is not Atlanta getting Houston's. And while we, we probably didn't expect the Rockets to be the best team in the league, we expect them to be on the high end. Denver is is probably not going to be at that level. I think they're going to be on the fringes of playoff contention, whatever year this happens but so that's a little bit better you pay a little bit extra for that to get a to get a superior pick and, and then also you talked yeah, about-
0: and they had nothing else that they were going to do with this space anyway I right. mean, at, at some point it's like hey if we can get a first rounder we're not doing anything else right now let's, let's just do it and so yeah to get for 21.5 million 22 million whatever it ended up being i thought was pretty good yeah
1: and arthur yeah they can they can clear that they could just cut him if they want to and clear the roster spot maybe they want to keep him as a vet whatever they want to do there and with Fareed, there is a little bit of an overlap if they want to keep free between him and ed davis just being kind of solid vets on a team that isn't necessarily trying to win a lot this year i i, I like ed davis better but you know you could go with that but farid one really interesting idea i don't have a candidate in mind would be theoretically with either one or both of these guys they could flip them again and just take on somebody like take on a little bit more bad money because they have this wiggle room and they could i don't think it's going to happen but theoretically they could those negotiations could happen you know take on an extra couple million because if if they're going to cut freed anyway if that's what they decide or they're going to buy him out or whatever ever and maybe they just keep him i mean he, he's certainly a useful player maybe somebody gets desperate later on or you can use that as a vessel to take on something else i don't think they want to take on 1920 salaries so those options are limited but maybe that option's on the table somewhere so for brooklyn they get that they already have lined up everything else so we'll know that they're kind of done when they do when they sign harris and and sign a davis they can they can basically do that now because now their space is spoken for they still by my math had enough to keep to sign Kuruks to a multi to a deal longer than two years I think I heard that he's going to get four there will presumably be some heavy options or non-guarantees on the later part of that contract as a second round pick so yeah I mean the Nets to 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 basically build something out of what wasn't nothing is is really impressive here and Mark's just doing the kind of the the small moves I talked about this a little bit actually in uh when I wrote D- Detroit's offseason preview about how sometimes having constraints can actually be really useful for a general manager because they operate within those Within those worlds, and they say, okay, what's the best thing we can do with what we have? And I think Marks came as he did better on that than I would have expected because I didn't think they would be able to pull this off.
0: Yeah. And it really is remarkable to think about where they were when Marks came in in 2016, that we think he's done just about everything right. And they're still not really in a very good position. I mean, do they have one player on that team that we feel pretty confident is going to be an above average starter? You know, maybe Jared Allen is the most likely guy who we think is going to turn into that at this point and other than the crab deal i mean i think we, individually we have probably liked every single one of their moves and they're still going to be reliant on this 2019 pick to really get started uh, maybe on cap space i think they're going to be better this year which may not be a good thing uh, again uh they've tried some of these salary taking on trades i think that the russell trade was a good risk at the time although if he doesn't work out then having taken on that Mazgov deal doesn't look amazing but it, he was a high upside play i think that that made sense and russell of course. Could still break out. You know, I'm not totally foreclosing that, but the Nets still have such a long way to go to get back into really even being a, a playoff contender, not to mention being a, a team that's really like, you know, a solid playoff team every year. But when you have, have essentially lost your first round pick four years in a row um, and done pick swaps with teams that ended up having great records, it, it becomes very difficult. All right, we got to get to the rest of, of the science here This is one of the more fascinating trades we've seen in a while, actually. I, I enjoyed talking about about this for whatever it was like 40 minutes here but first this from burrow which has reinvented the luxury couch we've got one actually their love seat sitting in our sunroom we love sitting on it reading relaxing the cats really seem to enjoy it as well because it's in the sun they can uh, laze it in the sunbeam all day but really the most impressive thing uh, about burrow was just how quickly it arrived how easy it was to customize it how easy it was to put together really took me like five minutes and that was on my own if you had a second person it probably would take even less time. So I I said the most impressive thing. That's like three things. These sofas are handcrafted in the same factories as other high-end retailers, but they're delivered for much less and they're shipped for free. They also have a built-in USB charger, which is nice when you're hanging around watching TV, your phone starts to die, which I I know has happened to all of us. You can just plug it in real easily to that charger. You can select the color, the size, the armrest height, the leg color, and they have a 30-day guarantee to try it out, or they have partner showrooms as well where you can charge check out these couches in person go customize your own burrow and that will get you 75 dollars off your order at burrow.com slash cap space easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time here on the program that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash cap space for 75 dollars off your purchase burrow makes the luxury couch for real life and make sure you use that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us where would you like to go next year?
1: luke Richard and bob Mute signed a one-year reportedly 4.3 million dollar deal not with the houston rockets but with the los angeles clippers the team he's familiar with from from time with doc rivers before and this is a significant move for a couple different reasons so one he is not a rocket that is important he was an, uh, a key part of their rotation last year he due to that shoulder issue was not nearly as impactful in the playoffs as we expected or hoped but still you know helped their defense stay at such a high level in the regular season which was a big part of their success at that point and i mean if he had hit some layups he could have been more impactful. In the conference finals, and it's funny you get these people like, oh, he's sucked in the conference finals, so that means he wasn't valuable. That's not the way this works. You look at the whole thing, and we all know he was injured. It's not not really a thing. And also, I think this is important for the Clippers because gives them a defensive forward option. The comb- the trio of Tobias Harris, Gallinari, and mba Mute is intriguing. Guys with different strengths and weaknesses, you can kind of put them together in different alignments. And I don't think of the Clippers right now as a playoff team because the. West is so stacked, but they certainly put together a good roster.
0: It's really insane how many good players they have. I want to just go through this right now. So, their point guard depth chart Milos Teodosic, uh, who only two more days until his guarantee date, but I, as we mentioned, I don't think there's really a reason not to guarantee him at this point. He's 2 million guaranteed due to make 6 million this year. Pat Beverly, both those guys coming off the injury. They also have Shea Gilgis Alexander. They still have a qualifying offer out for Tyrone Wallace as a restricted free agent, who again, I'm very surprised no one has jumped on yet. and it really seems like the negotiations between Wallace and the Clippers have been kind of acrimonious I mean with all the the players that they have on the roster now you know maybe they could just do a David Nwaba and and just let the guy go and be nice instead of just keeping him around when you probably don't even necessarily have a roster spot for him they also have Juwan Evans who they drafted in the second round last year at at point guard at shooting guard both Avery Bradley and Lou Williams Sindarius Thornwell who played well defensively last year CJ Williams who is on a non-guaranteed deal but actually you know played at an NBA level in at the two and three last year and then they just drafted jerome robinson so that's five guys in theory who are like actually nba players at the two then at small forward they've got danilo gallinari west johnson and sam decker both those guys haven't played well in some time so uh if they run into a roster crunch especially with wallace you know maybe we'll just see johnson or decker get waived uh they've also got tobias harris who's kind of a small forward or uh, kind of a power forward you mentioned in bamute they signed mike scott as well in the reporting indicating that scott is going to get the portion of the mid-level not reserved for Mbamute so both those guys getting about four million they got Montrez Harrell as well who played a a lot of four last year he'll probably be their backup five now they've got Gortat, uh, Boban who has his uses still and then of course uh, Montrez Harrell assuming that they can re-sign him of course he's a restricted free agent we'll see whether he might get an offer sheet or not somewhere but you have to imagine he'll probably be back there uh, because it doesn't seem like anyone is really that hot on his heels with an offer sheet but I mean that's just a crazy number of established players or at least like first round picks guys who have some pe- pedigree and if they were to bring back harrell and wallace that would actually give them 19 players so who, who would you want to move on from there probably juan evans and decker and west johnson would be my picks there maybe maybe you could just trade decker someone would be interested in him johnson less so i think he really has never been a favorite of doc rivers and they have so many other guys at that position now you might as well just move on from him even if you just have to waive them just to get the roster spot, and you know maybe CJ Williams would be the, the next one to go, or they just wouldn't re-sign Wallace potentially. But it's really remarkable how many guys they have uh, on this team, and so they should be able to compete. I mean, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't favor them for the playoffs, especially with LeBron now in the West. But they at least can withstand injuries. We know that.
1: Yeah, they're they're an incredibly deep team, and I don't really see any consolidation trades in their future. It's possible, but just with the way that this roster was concocted, I think they're going to largely. Keep keep it together and yeah i'm ex- I'm excited to see where it turns out then we can we can pivot yeah,
0: the, but but the, if i will say this if they're out of it i mean they could definitely make some trades now, now we haven't seen it be possible to get as much of a first-round pick for guys who are ending on contracts just for a rental you know but maybe every bradley if you're out of it you could get a first-round pick for him because if he plays well because he's got that non-guarantee for next year and pat beverly is someone who could always help a, a team as well and bob Mute, if they're out of it you know they're There'll be a ton of teams probably that could use uh, his skill set uh, well, as a defensive three. I want to
1: give you a random idea. This would be later, more towards the trade deadline. But let's theoretically say the Sixers acquired Kawhi Leonard at that and didn't involve Wilson Chandler in that trade, or even just because they thought he was better use of assets. You could do something involving Wilson Chandler and Avery Bradley. Like that, that the those salaries are close enough to matching. You could make that work, and mean, uh, maybe that would be something if you added an asset back. that will be interesting for both teams.
0: Now there are many coaches who would say. Well, yeah, it's great that you got $60 million in cap space for next summer. Uh, Oh, but how do you have that $60 million? Because all of these contracts are expiring. All these guys are in their walk year. All these guys are going to want playing time. How the hell am I supposed to coach this team with 12 guys on the roster who are all expiring contracts, who are all good and all want to play? You know, that's going to be an issue. I'm sure Doc Rivers is going to have his hands full dealing with that. So uh, this this might be one of these teams that looks a little bit better on paper than it ends up being, and, and there is some locker room information implosion you know guys like Bradley Teodosic who supposedly was a, a pretty good teammate this year uh Beverly is a is a headstrong personality uh, Gortat uh, not exactly known for keeping his mouth shut uh, Harris is an expiring contract also though he might be an extension candidate potentially you've got these rookies coming in so it's uh I'll be very interested to see what this team looks like but they certainly have uh pretty much uh, guys who can play in every situation on this team where do you want to go next
1: well, let's go to Mbamute's former team the Houston Rockets have lost now two of their rotational forwards in Ariza and Mute, and they signed James Ennis two years at the minimum second year player option and this is a different way of betting on yourself with James Ennis he didn't take I hope I damn well hope somebody made him an offer for more money in one year but Houston is probably going to have playing time whether that is as a starter or as a reserve we'll see what happens with Carmelo Anthony and the player option gives him a little bit of protection in case the season really doesn't work out that he can get you know at least the minimum somewhere and i think this is a good signing for them it is not a full and complete replacement but i like james ennis as a basketball player i think he could fit in very well there and i'm you know i'm happy about it for them and i do think that though that this ties in with what we talked about on the last podcast about this being a cost-cutting thing with swapping if we want to say it's swapping Mbamute, mute i mean you could go with the reason either way for ennis a clearly inferior player though he has untapped potential and it looks like the biggest reason that swap happened was money
0: Start with ennis he shot 36% from downtown over his career, but only 443 attempts across 220 NBA games in his career. That's not really enough to say whether he's a 30% three point shooter or a 35% three point shooter, but the lack of value I mean, last season, 1,604 minutes only took 153 threes, which was a, a career high, shot it at 33%. So he's not really looking to jack threes that much. That's going to change in Houston. His job is going to be to hang out. And I think generally we saw this with Mbamute last year. D'Antoni's system, Houston's system, has been kind to guys, just saying, "Hey, your job is to shoot the ball." PJ Tucker is another one who's somewhat of a reluctant shooter, but usually, unless your name is Corey Brewer, they're able to get guys open shots and give them the confidence to let fly. So I think generally guys have shot, if not a higher percentage, at least a higher volume, enough that they have to be guarded out there. And I, th- I think Ennis can at least get to the point where teams aren't going to just be like, "Oh, hey, we're going to leave this guy open." Also, Houston of course reported as the front runner for Carmelo Anthony and it appears like a trade to the Bulls or a wave and stretch from Oklahoma City are really the only options left at this point it's been floated perhaps that Anthony for Felicio could be something that would be done and maybe that's why the Bulls uh, removed the qualifying offer of David Nwaba to make that trade work and I think the last thing that we have to talk about here you mentioned the tax Tillman Fertitta in an interview with ESPN's Tim McMahon saying that the luxury tax hasn't entered hasn't come up in one meeting and, and so they just call it like the tuxury lacks in meetings i mean there's just there's no way that some of these moves not matching or a contract for example weren't motivated by the tap
1: yeah yeah that's definitely frustrating as those of us who want to see the best teams be at their absolute best and we'll, we'll see hopefully it works out for houston hopefully ennis you know that they, they can piece all this together but we'll have
0: to we can also discuss a little more reporting on the clint capella situation tim mcmahon reporting that houston's off to capella was four years 60 million five years 75 million was reported by jonathan fagan of the houston chronicle again we talked about this last time very unlikely to me that they could ever hope to get a deal for him in that range capella wanting rudy gobert stephen adams money 25 million a year and uh i am totally with him on that maybe you take a little bit of a discount because the market just isn't necessarily there this year but it's uh not exactly i think a realistic offer from houston if i were capella with that kind of money i mean it almost makes sense to just take the qualifying offer at that point
1: yeah or try to get one of the teams that still has cap space to at least give you a shorter term contract to to lock in a little bit more but i mean he'll get that money on the open market remember next year there are a ton of teams that are going to have cap space and capella would be unrestricted so you get paid somewhere it might it it would probably if it weren't the rockets be a a suboptimal circumstance but if you get paid i mean we can prioritize whatever the heck he wants somebody who is making rumored quick capella offer money is derek Favors. Derek Favors, and we got the, the terms on this, which I find really interesting. You and I talked about when we heard that this, the second year of this was non-guaranteed, that what we wanted to see was the guaranteed date. And the guaranteed date ended up being July 6th. And so that is a a, a pretty a pretty good date, I would say, for the Utah Jazz because they will have a, pr- a good idea oh, yeah. of where this is going. They won't know everything. I mean, you won't know everything by the 6th or even by, you know, the 3rd or wherever. But it's a whole lot better than like June 30th and everything else, especially with the flexibility that Utah paralleling this offseason, the flexibility that they could have for next year. So I think that worked out well. And something that I didn't know, maybe this was something you knew, was that not only is Haul Neto's second year not guaranteed, I think it's 2.1 million, it also has that 7-6 guarantee date. So the Jazz have a lot more flexibility than we might than we might have thought on July 1st. And also with favors, you could say it's less impactful because I think he's worth that money anyway. So you could trade him to somebody else. This has happened before, but it's still really good for for their own flexibility just because now that option is on the table
0: yeah i mean you could even imagine favors if he does get waived, getting claimed uh although generally it seems like that doesn't happen if a guy doesn't want to go there that you just get claimed.
1: yeah they would uh, more okay. likely he'd million. get traded in that circumstance but either way it could happen
0: yeah and that again just indicative of the leverage that teams had uh, this year and, and i think the jazz knowing they weren't going to use cap space this year did well to get him on that favorable contract and the way of course that they did that was by giving him a larger annual salary really than he could have gotten anywhere else for this year. And and so favors decided, hey, it's worth it to get more for this year. If I have this slightly later guarantee date, so be it. So that, that must have been an interesting matter of negotiation of all right, how much more are we gonna have to pay you in the first year to get the guarantee date that we want to get the non-guarantee? Et sort of that's uh, must have been rather interesting. Would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in that negotiation. We we'll moved to San Antonio now, where it turns out the report of Davis Bertans getting four for twenty was incorrect. It's actually two years, fourteen point five. $5 million dollars. This one for the Spurs, they actually could have cap space next summer, but that would likely mean that Kawhi Leonard had been moved on from his cap holds to be about 30 million next summer. If they do keep Kawhi, they'll almost certainly be operating as an over-the-cap team and and this seems fine for Bertons. there's not a ton of opportunity costs they're not really looking at the tax anytime soon they did at least get him back in the fold at 26 already maybe it makes more sense to just make this only two years and pay him a little bit more than that reported four for 20 and who knows where that number actually came from uh, maybe that was something else that was on the table but uh doesn't really make much sense to bother comparing it to that but two years 14 and a half million for Bertans what do you make of it
1: I like this less because it gives San Antonio less control. I mean, granted, if there's some sort of differing guarantee on the last year, then that would certainly change it. And it's more money per year. So now, you know, the upside value of him just really becoming a clear-cut rotation guy or even a starter over a couple of years, that's not there. They'll still have bird rights at the end of this contract. So I like it a little bit less. I still, you know, doesn't have my ire up because I, I like Bertans. I just think this is a little bit much for him. But I do like this meaningfully less than the original
0: reporting. Yeah, and it's always nice to have guys on contract that are tradable I'm not sure that this gets there I mean this was this would be the type of contract maybe you'd have a third year on it that you would have expected more to see in the summer of 2016 than now and Bertans is an important part of their rotation it does seem like a little bit of an overpay maybe it's an overpay so you only had to go two years but if you're going to compare Bertans to say Joe Harris who signed a very similar contract I'd be much more interested in Joe Harris remember the Nets probably had to overpay Joe Harris a little bit so that they could use his small cap hold this year and they did that on the first day of free agency and joe harris was unrestricted and he plays the wing as opposed to being restricted and it being much later in the process and the spurs really having no reason why they need to get him to agree quickly and then wait uh as harris did with that small cap hold. so this i mean compared to some of the other deals that were signed this year this does seem like a, a little bit of an overpay not a killer but uh big shocker the spurs uh, overpaid one of their own guys
1: we also found out that Bryn forbes is returning on a two-year contract i haven't heard the exact Terms of makes we think it's low.
0: Yeah, Forbes' qualifying offer was 1.7 million, the minimum plus 200,000, 000 for that particular qualifying offer. Qualifying offers are, are for guys who don't make the starter criteria and weren't first-round picks. It's the greater of 125% of prior salary. That was the Nemanja Pializza qualifying offer this year that the Wolves ended up pulling. Or in the case of Forbes, the minimum salary, which would have been 1.5 million this year, plus 200,000 dollars. So his qualifying offer was 1.7 sorry I'm in explanation mode since we're in the middle of sports business classroom right now and that's one where it, as long as it's not too much money which it doesn't seem like it's going to be seems fine to me to bring him back in the fold at around the minimum I think he's you know would you rather have like Bryn Forbes or Ian Clark I'd probably actually would rather have Forbes because he I think he has a more versatile jump shot uh, I don't think either of them are great defensively but I like Forbes a little bit better Clark is a better cutter maybe has a better floater game but I, I don't put a ton of stock in that so through To bring Forbes back at the minimum, he's in the Spurs system, didn't kill them, can't really play in the playoffs because he's too short as a shooting guard. We saw that in that Warriors series when he got ball racked all all series. But to bring him back for what sounds like a pretty minimal amount is fine work there from the Spurs.
1: We also got unsurprising reporting, but still important to note from Darren Wolfson earlier on Friday that Jimmy Butler has officially turned down the extension offer from Minnesota. Now, Minnesota was limited since they couldn't clear enough space to do a renegotiation extension they were limited to offering four years about 110 million dollars it makes sense that he would turn that down because that is significantly less than butler could get as a free agent we will have to see how that impacts it i know those who are risk averse would and i mean it would depend on the relationship with tibbs and butler and talking about contracts i mean it is pretty dangerous to walk into a, a walk a final year on a season where a final year on a contract where the player can leave as an unrestricted free agent minnesota can certainly offer more money than anybody else can by that fifth year and by a higher raises so we'll just have to see how minnesota handles this and I'm, I'm very interested in that and then they're also presumably talking with carl anthony towns about an extension but nothing has happened yet there so we can't really talk about
0: it yeah this is one i'm usually more along the lines that players should take extensions than most but that 110 million i think actually it might have ended up being less than that because butler got a signing bonus as you'll recall oh, that's right that might have been true. with the bulls so they're building off of that i think it the actual amount would be closer to 100 million uh and so considering he'd be eligible for a five year 189.7 million dollar contract that's a lot of money to give up now for a 29 year old is that offer going to be forthcoming for the wolves a team with tax concerns maybe it'd be less but you also have the risk of butler if you extend now that you're locked into the wolves i mean it's going to be a huge free agent market you could go play with lebron james he is rumored he wants to go play with Kyrie irving and so when you throw in the risk of hey 80 million dollars less maybe even more than that and you're also and even the four-year contract with another team would be four years 147 million so you're still costing yourself at least 40 million bucks there just based if you go to another team so totally understand why butler wouldn't want to lock in right now it, it doesn't seem like he's particularly happy with his teammates in minnesota and yeah he has some injury risk he's coming off the surgery he has some performance risk but hard to believe that there are just about any circumstances in which butler wouldn't get a hundred million you know maybe if he tears an Achilles or tears an ACL or something that's really the only way it has. unless he suffers a season ending injury i think he'll be fine there so i think if in his circumstance totally understand why he is turning that down got a few more things to talk about here also want to talk uh, our winners and losers but first this from a familiar sponsor been around on dunkton for a long time they've supported us as and as we've grown they've grown like crazy as well they the copy used to say they sold over a million watches now they're at almost 2 million watches and they're sold in 160 plus countries as as well which is a great way for international listeners to support the program with movement.com mvmt.com slash cap space is that url you can get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns their watches start at just 95 dollars, and i never really was a watch guy because the watches that i liked were just didn't really seem to be in my budget they're 400 500 a department store but if you go to that movement.com mvmt.com slash cap space url just scroll through their watches and see i think you'll find something that you're really like i'm a, a fan of their forty. I like a little bit smaller. I've watched the 40 stands for 40 millimeter, but they've doubled their number of watch styles. So definitely go back there, see what you can find. My mom loves buying them as gifts for men or women my fiance has one as well they've also got sunglasses and women's bracelets available so they are constantly expanding check out that collection that they have at movement.com slash capspace mvmt.com slash capspace use that slash space url to let them know that you came from us and join the movement couple other small things here before we get into our, our winners and losers we talked about malik monk missing six to eight weeks with a thumb injury a further review has indicated that his thumb is not fractured i don't think he played again in summer league but at least he's going to have an offseason he won't have his progress retarded the way he did last offseason with that ankle injury and then the bulls we touched on this earlier rescinded the qualifying offer for david nava a a very odd move on its surface that again his qualifying offer only 1.7 million he's a guy who can play i don't know how much long-term money they want to commit to him because they have this 2019 plan as the bulls have had whether it's 2014 2016 2019 they always have some year planned but according to Casey Johnson the waiver of Sean Kilpatrick and the revoking of the qualifying offer which today was the deadline to do that so they did that at the last possible instant is a precursor to other moves we don't know what those are maybe that could be a Camaro Anthony trade maybe it could be a restricted free agent offer sheet and they could always potentially maybe they have a deal in place to bring back Nwaba on the room exception after they use their cap space as well so very interesting to see what the Bulls have cooking here although getting excited based on something that the Bulls might do would be something that could uh, cause you a lot of angst over the years.
1: It's somewhat appropriate that Wayne Ellington has been put in the kind of the, the end of this podcast, considering that's kind of how it's been for him in free agency. He signed a one-year $6.2 million contract with the Miami Heat. I have no idea why he never really got traction in this market. Talented shooter. I meaning he, he's bounced around a lot in his career. The uh, breakaway podcast that Rob Mahoney did on him is in some ways even more interesting now after all this because they're talking about him finding a home in miami and the heat now with this signing i have them at two hundred and thirty-one thousand dollars below the luxury tax line but they still have to sign a couple guys so we'll we'll see how it works out they could of course make other moves they could also just pay a small amount in the tax but i want to see where this goes with them but getting ellington at for one year at that price is great i actually would i mean maybe he just didn't want to take multiple years with the price so low but miami
0: did well yeah and ellington at age 30 you would think that he would be someone who would want to lock in for more years. Maybe that offer just wasn't there for him. Certainly, if you are the Lakers, if you are Philly, you have to say, hey, maybe we should have made an offer for this guy that could have beaten this Miami offer. Maybe Ellington turned those down and then the market dried up on him in a way that he didn't necessarily anticipate. I think he set a league record for bench threes over 200 three pointers last season. He's a really versatile jump shot. This does create, again, the same logjam that the Heat experienced last year, but they've got Dwayne, or they've got Dion Waiters in theory coming back from that ankle surgery. Still no word on Dwayne Wade. You would have to imagine that Ellington's return makes it somewhat less likely, perhaps, that Wade would return. There also could be a trade, though. Worth noting that Ellington now, because he finished up a two-year contract, this w- would be his third year. He would have full bird rights if he were to remain in Miami. If he were traded, he would lose those. So he has the ability to block a trade should he want to. But you would think that of all those guys, Waiters might be the most likely to go there. He's got three years at, at over twelve million per season left we'll see if he can come back and play well he's really only had one good season in his career of offensive play and then obviously suffered the ankle issue and his three-point shooting his long two-point shooting in that 16 17 season was quite unsustainable but at least Miami did something they also signed Derek Jones who's looked pretty good in summer league off of a two-way uh what else we got here
1: something that's weird to me the Lakers signed Lance Stevenson so it looked like the terms they'd agreed to were one year at the room mid-level exception, and they signed him using cap space instead of just waiting, using that cap space on other guys and signing him afterwards. And it probably doesn't make a big difference, but this kind of ties in with the Denver thing where it might is you can only sign somebody with the room mid-level exception to a two-year contract. And so you might be saying, oh, well, the Lakers aren't signing anybody to long-term deals. Well, they got Bonga and Svi Mihalyuk, their second round picks. They signed them on longer deals and you just never know where a value play is going to be. And so the question that I have is why tie your hands unnecessarily you have agreed to terms with lance and there's there's not really an issue i mean we're seeing other guys like ed davis wait and i i it, it maybe they're not planning on using this space anytime soon so maybe on the buyout market or something like that but it's just kind of one of those it, with knowing what we what the limited amount that we have right now it just seems like an unnecessary rush
0: yeah i don't think it's really gonna hurt them either way and you know if lance is gonna go and uh play pickup and drive baseline and dunk on a guy who looks exactly like me <laughs> just it was pretty funny haverstrow uh had a funny tweet about that uh you know he wants to feel secure that his contract is signed so he can go out and uh humiliate poor nate duncan looking saps uh in golden state they've had a couple of departures uh, from their lower level staff their trainer chelsea lane is moving to atlanta semi gelfand their analytics liaison with the coaching staff he's moving on to detroit uh and then golden state also signed steph curry's potential future brother-in-law damian lee who was waived by the hawks to a two-way contract lee had been in golden state's g-league affiliate in santa cruz lee is a developing shooter has solid athleticism someone who might be able to come in and fill in on the wing we mentioned that that's really the one thing that golden state needs a little bit more of is two-way guys in the wing and maybe they can develop lee into that and you know at least you keep steph curry happy as well by having his brother-in-law in the fold anything else we got to talk about here or should we uh just take a little bit more of an overview of, of this summer that has gone so quickly
1: oh let's, let's get into the summer
0: well so, should we talk about should we well let's talk about who like what free agents are left. oh yeah let's do, let's do it we don't have to go the team by
1: team step but we can do remaining free agents
0: yeah well and, and we could talk briefly just about who who has some cash sure. space left if there have been so, some major changes so let's start there since i have it in front of me atlanta still about 10 million or so in space they have a couple of non-guarantees that could bump that up to 11 as you mentioned the bulls sitting right about 20.6 million in space with the revocation of david nwaba's qualifying offer and again i think that would be just enough if they wanted to trade cristiano felicio for carmelo anthony cleveland is kind of still in limbo we uh, have they had a single signing i don't think they have but they, they've got rodney hood out there still uh it's either hood or they had their full mle but really no one to use it on uh dallas has four million or so left uh with dirk novitsky still out there as a free agent he'll either get whether it's the room exception or remaining cap space whichever is larger indiana still uh, has a, a couple million out there in space depending on whether they wave and stretch al jefferson or not i'm not sure whether they did that i haven't seen reporting on that and then the lakers they've got their room exception remaining uh, among some of the major ones sacramento still 19.5 million a zach levine sized chunk of room uh, sitting out there for them and uh, anyone else i'm missing who really you know i guess utah still has their full mid-level so but, does orlando and it doesn't really seem like He's got anyone to use it on. Yeah, Orlando. That's another one. Sleeping Giant in the free agency, Orlando Magic. And you would say maybe I mean I don't know what the Magic have planned for this year. Do they want to tank or what? But you would think that they would have offered Isaiah Thomas a little bit more than that and that Thomas would have been interested in going there. Um give it uh, given the fact that I think he could have had a larger role than in Denver. We still have no idea what Thomas's health status is. whether he'll be ready to start the season or not. Um and he would have been competing with DJ Augustin and Jerry and Grant. Maybe that Grant move they want to get a look at him and that foreclosed thomas coming to orlando so i I think that's about it in terms of the significant space out there how about just in general the remaining free agents on the market i think we everyone knows who the restricted guys are so we can just talk about the unrestricted guys
1: so in the unrestricted market let's start with point guards shabazz napier to me is the best player available still if you want more of like a a depth guy devin harris shane larkin a lot of the old older vets you know we could go through all those guys on the perimeter non-point guard, Dwayne Wade, Travion Graham, favorite of the podcast, Jamal Crawford, Pat Connaughton, Corey Brewer, now David Nawaba is there. Vince Carter, I think, could definitely help a team, if he, depending on what he wants to do here. It's also interesting with Carter and Wade that we haven't heard anything about retirement. I wonder what their conversations are. And then, in terms of bigs, Dirk, but we think that's pretty well settled, Monroe, Alex Len, David West, Bebe Noguera, Mike Beasley, Trevor Booker, Channing Frye, Vonley, Jaleel Okafor or dante cunningham who i think is, is would be interesting for a lot of different teams and somebody could take a, a d- roll dice on big sauce al- alan williams or al jefferson
0: uh al jefferson uh signed with china as you are so fond of saying so we can uh oh, that's, we could take him off this list for now
1: i, I wonder how that's going to turn out that that's interesting because usually it's those high volume perimeter players that end up doing well they or most baits but most baits counts as a high volume perimeter player so he still counts but uh we'll see how that works out
0: yeah i think uh, vonley and noguera are two of the more interesting names among those big channing fry i think he, did you say fry i hope i did that was part of the plan <laughs> yeah he, he's still out there and most of these guys are looking like they're going to sign for the minimum and then on uh, the restricted free agent bigs capella and montrez harrell are really the only ones remaining probably the biggest name out there of anyone right now smart and parker the biggest names i, I should say are out there and uh so yeah i mean let's we'll keep it relatively truncated here because we're going to do a, of course a full offseason grades in the next couple of weeks here for for each conference that'll each be a separate podcast uh, but overall you know biggest winners of this offseason do you just kind of more in an open end it could be a player it could be a team could be a class of, of players what comes to mind
1: the golden state warriors title odds for 2019 i think that's the, the biggest for those who, who care about that element of it paul george staying in oklahoma city lebron going to a lakers team that looks like it's not going to be in title contention the rockets getting weaker boston at this point not really doing anything to strengthen they're going to be a, they're going to be a quite good team and we'll see what happens with philly as well you know they're i think they're better but i I don't think they were a title contender last year, so it will take a lot of improvement. So I, I think that's the big one. I mean, for those who, who care about that, it, I don't think it's inevitable, and I noticed that the words DeMarcus Cousins did not factor in in that early stage at all. He could end up helping. We'll see where that goes. He could end up if they feel pressure to play him, hurting that in certain circumstances, but I think overall they'll get that balance right. But I don't think it necessarily swings as much in terms of the, the title odds after 2019 because the Lakers still have so much flexibility. We still don't know what the hell is going on with Kawhi Leonard but 2019 title odds. I think it's stronger for the Warriors now than I would have expected.
0: Certainly, the teams in the East that don't have to do with LeBron James anymore. Uh, that's a huge one. Uh, I think Brooklyn uh, has done pretty well this off season. You know, we'll see uh, on Dallas. But I think getting Doncic, getting DeAndre Jordan on a one year deal. That's that seems pretty good. You know, I'm not sure who else they were going to get with that money. That would have been better. At least to, to make them better this year, they should be significantly better. Although obviously the West is going to be its usual bear next season. And this isn't really necessarily a winner or loser I guess I could say that 2019 free agency just for us as fans and how interesting it's going to be is kind of a winner because you've got all these teams with cap space all these players going for one-year deals as I mentioned I think it was Mark Stein who tweeted this out that about 60% of the deals that had been signed as of a week ago were one-year deals which is just very unprecedented and we we're critical of teams for not signing guys to longer deals but it sounds like in having some conversations Zach Lowe also wrote about this that some of these one-year deals are really more player driven because this is such a bad market and I think also for players having watched all everyone else get paid and then feeling like you're getting screwed over by this 2018 market to still be able to have the potential for riches instead of taking a longer term deal that's going to pay you a little bit less but we could use Tyreek Evans as an example here right you would assume that the Pacers would have been willing to offer more than one year at the amount that Evans got which is about 12 million but Evans said no I want to get back onto the market next year again these are assumptions I don't know this for sure but for me if I'm Tyreek Evans you know maybe you should have taken that uh, an offer to go a little bit longer I mean Zach said hey players correctly are taking one-year deals and obviously it's a case-by-case basis but I would quibble with that a little bit especially when we're talking about potential life-changing money I mean Tyreek Evans just had a career season what's to say that he's going to have a long-term offer waiting for him at 15 million a year next year in Indiana when he's going to be coming off the bench he may may not shoot the ball as well he's struggled with injuries at times in his career though he was healthy last year but let's remember he was healthy last year and he basically played two-thirds of his season because uh, the Grizz were uh, tanking so incredibly hard but there are going to be a ton of players in the market there's going to be a fair amount of cap space right now I have the league-wide number not including exceptions at 574 million which would be about 2.5 times as much as there was this year and you've got a bunch of teams slated to have Over 50 million in space. I've got it as five teams that are slated to have over 50 million in space. But with so many players on the market, there still could be some who would fall through the cracks. I mean, we're we're never going to have, I don't think. I mean, unless people roll over again on one year deals to 2020, as many players on the market. I mean, I think I want to say like almost half the league is going to be free agents next year, something like that. Have you seen anything on that? I can't remember where I read. I haven't run the numbers on it, but it's
1: a whole lot. I mean, it's going to be a ton of players, and oh, there will be flexibility too in terms of guys decline the option decisions are going to be very very different this year
0: so yeah that's going to be an interesting trend and then you know losers are the coaches who have to coach all these guys on one-year deals Uh, i'm sure they are not going to be too happy about that i've never seen any empirical evidence that teams with guys on expiring contracts actually do worse but certainly anecdotally coaches will say that guys who are on one-year deals who are playing for contracts uh, are harder to coach
1: a couple other winners i wanted to bring up guys that got paid even though it was a narrow market zach levine getting his big money will barton i think got a, a contract that that looks oh yeah jeremy grant got paid a lot more than these kind of rotation level guys airson Ilyasova got paid a lot more than his counterparts kind of in that backup power forward range
0: doug mcdermott uh, basically everyone i think who agreed right on july 1st if you were a player probably did pretty well and, and we'll see whether those players who signed longer term deals made the right decision or whether everyone in 2019 guys who aren't as good as them end up getting way more money than they do but obviously there's a price to be paid for security as well if you're a McDermott who hasn't made that much money in his career Will Barton was on a three-year nine million dollar contract before this this is a life-changing payday for him and good job by him and his team certainly to hold out for more money they got it it was a risk certainly but uh you know the Nuggets do tend to overpay their own guys and they made the the right bet there even at the expense of having to get off of money and give up uh, some assets to do so they really were focused on keeping Will Barton. Martin and Will's going to get a chance to start now apparently at the three I think that's about all I got unless you you had any other directions you want to go I mean obviously we'll we'll get much more into the the aftermath of this offseason when we do our grades also another podcast we have coming up that's going to be fun is going back and regrading the 2017 offseason we're going to hold ourselves accountable for what we said in last year's uh, offseason grades I I actually was re-listening to that podcast earlier today there's a lot of interesting stuff to go over uh, see how stuff looks a, a year or so in hindsight
1: yeah the only other thing just as a plug i'll mention is so i wrote that levine piece for the bulls you can think about that is i'm gonna have a bunch of stuff now that i'm back home settling it out but real jam radio will come out at some point before the next dunked on i don't know exactly when that's going to be still working on it but that'll you can you can listen to that and yeah and we'll have more stuff coming out in the near near term
0: all right thanks again for listening don't forget about our sponsors make sure you enter those slash cap space urls i them know that you came from us and we will be back uh, early next week till then